7101 West 87th Street Parkway in Lenexa. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash arts kc go. This is Maria Vasquez Boyd, and you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. started here. This is 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Moscus Boyd, Artspeak Radio. Happy Dia Los Muertos for uh, those of you who celebrate Day of the Dead, uh, November 1st, November 2nd. So thank you for uh, tuning in today on 90.1 FM. We are here from noon to one every Wednesday, and we've got, I, I just wanted to get started because we have a full, full house, man. We've got people spilling out the windows. We have Sydney Garrett, Cynthia Levin, Jenny Mulberg, Alexander Weinstein, Linda Yerkowitz, Sylvia, well, I don't know if Sylvia's coming, but we have Deborah Baxter, Megan Ganey, and uh, yeah, just a full hour of art. And we want to begin with um, one of our favorite writers here in town, Jenny Mulberg and Alexander Weinstein. They're here. Je- Alexander's on the phone with us. Hello, Alexander. Are you there? Yeah, sure I am. Ah, Great to be here. Terrific. And Jenny Mulberg, uh, who's a writer and professor at UCM. Hi, Maria. So glad to be here. Let me tune that on. Oh. There you go. Hi, Maria. So oh, glad to be beautiful. here. Yeah. So we're going to talk about not only um, Alexander's work, but he will be at UCM, right? That's right. Alexander will be at UCM tomorrow evening to give an author talk at 5 o'clock in the UCM Student Union Atrium, followed by a film screening of After Yang, which was inspired by uh, Alexander Weinstein's short story. Yeah, and, and a little bit about Alexander Weinstein. He is the author of the short story collections Universal Love and Children of the New World, which was chosen as the New York Times Notable Book of the Year and the Best Book of the Year by NPR, Google, and Electric Literature. His fiction and interviews have appeared in Rolling Stone, World Literature Today, Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy, and Best American Experimental Writing. He is the founder and director of the Martha. Martha's Vineyard Institute of Creative Writing. Wow, congratulations, Alexander. Those are some wonderful, notable awards. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, so much. Yeah, so your visit to Kansas City, is this the first time you've been here in our lovely city? No, you know, I've been coming back a number of different times also for the Unbound Book Festival and previously Mm -hmm. for events at the university there. Mm -hmm. Will you be back for AWP? In, uh, I won't this year. Okay. No, I won't be back for yeah. that. So this is the this is the great landing right now. Yeah. So with your visit at UCM, you're going to give a talk. And what what are you? Uh, what are some of the topics that you're going to cover in tomorrow at UCM? 
You know, I, my fiction deals a lot with the place where we find ourselves mm. right now, maybe just five years in the future, places where uh, humans are dealing a little more with AI or strange technology or putting on bodysuits and going on online dates, but yeah. through through their bodysuits, or in the case of the film Tomorrow, uh, adopting robotic children who kind of work as, as babysitters and also their own family members. That's right around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, <laughs> when I wrote the stories, yeah. I felt like this was, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years. Yeah. And then, like, now we have AI professing yeah. its love for New York Times reporters and things like that. So yeah. it's we're in the future for sure. Well, you know, I had a guest on last week. We talked about AI and really how much of our world is sort of mimicking Westworld. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out all of our speculative fiction was like a better predictor for where we'd be, you know, like now sure. than our realism in many ways. Sure. And Jenny, um, you you were so fortunate to, to have Alexander Weinstein at UCM, and uh, that's going to be a great treat, not only for the students and the faculty, but for writers that, that want to attend. Absolutely. And the event is free and open to the public. Okay. So um, if you can make it down to Warrensburg uh, yeah, tomorrow, yeah. yeah, definitely come stop by. Do folks need to make reservations or kind of call in advance to, to save their spot there? Uh, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. You can just drop in. Um, the UCM uh, Union is at 511 South Holden Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have that author talk with some refreshments and then the film screen cool, at 6 o'clock. Cool. Now, Alexander, do you often speak at different universities or or facilitate workshops with young writers and all? I do, yeah. I yeah. really love working with yeah. writers at all ages, really, and kind of um, all abilities that are wanting to learn more about how to write short stories, mm-hmm. novels, how to write speculative fiction, or even you know realistic stories. Well, I, I think as young writers, too, or just sort of uncertain where your skills, where your strengths are as, as a writer and talent, I think it, it's really helpful to have that sort of mentor, have that sort of, you know, listen, kids, I, I've been where you were, and sort of, uh, you know, act as um, a sounding board for some of these uh, folks, right? It's so important. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I, I give a lot of gratitude to all of the teachers and all of the writers yeah. and all the artists that came before me that sort of said, here, let me teach you something. Or even just say, say let me read your work and, and keep doing the work you're doing. I think we need that kind of encouragement from others. I, I believe so. And I think uh, what what I've seen and heard and read from from young writers all around is that we, we are really cultivating a new generation of of uh, artists, writers who are willing to take the risk, express themselves, and just really kind of push the boundaries of what what I thought poetry was or writing was, uh, you know, in my early years. If you just tuned in, I'm Maria Vasquez-Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, uh, Art Speak Radio. We're talking with Alexander Weinstein and Jenny Mulberg. Um, Alexander is the author of the short story collections Universal Love and Children of the New World, which was chosen as a New York Times Notable Book of the Year. In your early career, Alexander, as a writer, did you did you foresee this? Did you foretell that 
yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have the strength as a writer, and I'm gonna write, uh, and and you know, earn these awards. Or were you sort of like, mm, it just happened that uh, you uh, just had this brilliant idea and and words and, and all that. I mean, did you ever see this coming? You know, it was a dream that it yeah. could come. I mean, I've been writing since third grade, yeah. right around Halloween when my third grade teacher said, write a horror story, write a ghost story. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I've been writing ever since and, and dreaming of, you know, how do I make these stories? And of yeah. course, that goes through a lot of self-doubt and rejection. Sure. I often talk about my first story that got published was after 94 rejections. So I really went through <laughs> the dark night of the soul to get oh, there. Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, and sometimes that can really, I mean, whether it's art or writing, it can really uh, deter one's ability, I I think, um, you know, question themselves and sort of, and that sort of thing. But but also, I think on the flip side, it it can make you stronger, too. Would you share with us your social media platforms uh, so our listeners can find you? yeah, the best way to find my work is to go to alexanderweinstein.com, and you can find kind of links to everything there. Very good. And Jenny Mulberg, uh, like as I mentioned, she is chair of creative writing at the University of uh, Central Missouri, uh, where she is associate prose- professor. And you also have some work out that's published, right? I, I do. Would my like third book came out this year. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, is let's see is that the one i'm looking through your list um that is the court of no record ah okay okay yes which came out with lsu press um just this very good year. do you want to read an excerpt uh, yeah sure yeah. i'd be happy to Terrific. um i'll tell you a little bit about the book real quick sure. um this book serves as both evidence and testimony against a legal system that often fails victims of physical trauma and domestic abuse Uh, It examines violence against women in historical cases, in true crime culture, and through a personal lens. So I'll read the first poem in the second section of the book, which is a court hearing in verse um, and is based on personal experience. Proceedings. The honorable answer offers me the option to reset my court date due to his personal relationship with my abuser's mother. I have driven halfway across middle America, through rhinestone-studded stampedes and the great dripping caves of the Bible Belt, to Broken Mirror County. Broken Mirror, where I was once thrown in a room with a pit bull. The dog slept with his sweet paw around me and breathed his panicky breath into my neck. To say me is a stretch. The self was a rock blown into many rocks, sparkling and hot. The alpha made of me a souvenir. He put me in a box he occasionally opened, then vanished me in the palm of his hand. Whereupon the following proceedings are heard in the court of no record. To say heard is a stretch. To say stretch is a lie. My pleated pants are drenched in sweat as my abuser's lawyer in her wrinkled skirt and ruffled sweater heckles me into a corner. To say corner is generous because in the court of no record where the abuser is petitioner and the victim respondent, the walls are made of ideas so the men can walk straight through them. Mm, mm. Powerful work. You can find Jenny 
online jennymolberg.com other social social media platforms yeah i'm on i guess what we're now calling x um at jenny molberg and um on instagram uh you can just look up my name it's a little jenny sue kind of with some punctuation i love it you know i wish we had more time we have a very full program but i want to thank you so very much jenny molberg and alexander weinstein for joining me today good luck on your your talk and the film screening tomorrow alexander i you know i'm if it weren't my birthday, I would be there. But uh, happy birthday! Thank you, love. Uh, but you know, um, UCM is a great university, and you're going to uh, be working with some brilliant minds. And I know that they're going to get so much more from you too. So thank you so much, Alexander and Jenny, for joining us today. Thank you, Maria. You yeah, bet. Thanks for having me. Bye bye now, and we're going to be right back with Art Speak Radio after this. Hey KC, it's Warren Williams, also known as Dub, inviting you to check out my show Dub's Groove, now airing on KKFI on Wednesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. I serve up a veritable feast of classic R&B and soulful jazz. I slip in some Latin, gospel, deep cuts as well. Listen live at 90.1 FM or online at kkfi.org. If you miss a show and like to catch up, search the internet for KKFI archives and you'll find the last two shows there. Check it out, you might just dig it. Join KKFI on November 2nd at Drexel Hall at Kansas City Iris Center for Music Unites, featuring Calvin Arsenia and Friendly Thieves. Music Unites, a benefit for KKFI, brings together the community for a special night of music. Doors open at 7.30, the concert starts at 8. Go to kkfi.org to purchase tickets and to learn more. Hey there, it's me, Maria Vasquez Boyd at 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. And we're up, uh, we're going to talk with some wonderful folks who you may know, been in the town for a bit. We got Sydney Garrett and Cynthia. Cynthia. Levin? Levin. Levin. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And congratulations. Uh, you know what? This is going to be your last year with Unicorn. Yes, uh, yes, it will be. <laughs> and um, then you'll get so bored and start another production company. Yes. Oh, I'm sure I'll just be starting you, up new theaters you, all over the East Coast. Yeah, you, you that's, heard that's it my here plan. first. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is just wonderful to have you both here. Sydney Garrett is a director and artistic. Uh, executive artistic director of the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival, where she most recently directed The Tempest, Romeo and Juliet, and the previous six seasons productions. But we're going to talk today about what's happening right now at the Unicorn. What is happening right now at the Unicorn? A fabulous play called Macbitches, which is a modern dark comedy that has a lot of Shakespeare uh, in it, um, it actually has some Shakespeare. Not, perf- lang- not performed in it, but they li- talk well, I was going to say that. <laughs> okay, part. there is. A, I'm just thrilled. There's finally some Shakespeare on the Unicorn stage, but it's not a ton. Yeah. Just a, yeah. just a flavor of it, but it's a lot <laughs> of fun. Um, it's it's a play about five young women who are at a college, and they've just gone through their auditions for the for the fall shows. One of which is the Scottish play, as we call it in theater, Macbeth, and um, only one of them can can win the coveted role of Lady Macbeth. So. You may imagine mayhem, fury, um, hilarity ensue. This is just a wonderful twist. The play 
reimagines the story with a feminine twist. Now it explores themes of power, ambition, and complexities of gender dynamics. And the narrative delves into the journey of Lady Macbeth and her pursuit of power, shedding light on the challenges and dilemmas she faces in a male-dominated society. And so it has really sharp dialogue and dynamic characters, right? It sure does. I think that almost every highly dramatic um, situation you can find parallels to a Shakespeare play or a tragedy or a comedy. And it has so many just small little references. It's been really fun to mine those uh, with Sid who knows those references (laughs) better than I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it's really, um, and it serves to, to, uh, as a thought-provoking and empowering perspective on this timeless piece, right? It does. Yeah. Five young, I mean, when you have five young women who are playing characters 18 to 22, it's great to hear their voices. It's great to see um, these women who all have some ambition in them because they all want to play these roles, right? And it's also, it's a very dramatic piece. If you've ever been to theater school, if you've ever taken a theater class, if you've ever auditioned for a choir or, uh, you know, anything you've had to audition for Mm -hmm. and you're waiting to hear, did I get it? You know, we've all been there on some level if we've been in the arts and performing arts. So it's so competitive on this level. And I think the cool part of the story is that, of course, in Shakespeare, there's like one female character or actor, you know, for every 25 male yeah. actors and so that's part of that yeah, supporting highly competitive those characters. Yeah. roles yeah. that there's only two speaking parts or yeah. something yeah. so it's really cool to be doing a play that is all women written by a woman <laughs> directed by a woman and you know I mean that most of our team is is female so sort of going against the old you know adage of Shakespeare and male domination yeah. we get to have a, a, a show a different perspective and it's just been it's been so fun. It is. I mean, and we and we're in our last week. This is it. We're just playing tonight through Sunday, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's been going great. But it's like this is just one that, for so many reasons, nobody wants to miss. Whether you're a theater geek, whether you're not, whether you know <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare, or you don't. It's just a really, really smart comedy, which well, is great. You know, and Unicorn Theater has brought us some really fantastic performances and plays and just uh, talkbacks and all that. It's just been, it's a real jewel, a real wonderful piece of our art here in Kansas City. Uh, Unicorn Theater is located at 3828 Main Street. Don't let the construction, uh, you know, sh- uh, steer you away because there, there are places that you can you can park um, nearby. Uh, but it's at 3828 Main Street, the website unicorntheater.org for more information because got some exciting things coming up, right? We got so many things. Yeah. We have three world premieres wow, this season. Wow, wow. And in fact, right after McBitches closes, next week we start with Journey to the Poles of Inaccessibility by Craig Pospisil, which is a world premiere, first production, which is so exciting. This will be our 72nd world premiere. There is nothing like working on contemporary plays alongside a playwright. I mean, it's so different than, you know, picking up a published thing and putting, you know, your spin on it and producing it. But to work with brand new pieces that you you know you get to be part of you get to say hey this doesn't work or can we think of something better can we how did you feel about that to have 
the writer in the room mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the most exciting part, I think, of the work at the Unicorn. So the writer's coming in next Tuesday, wow. um, yeah, and yeah. he'll be with us, you know, through rehearsal. And I, it's and it's again a fun, wacky comedy about these two people who go. Uh, ex- explore the entire world, finding the seven poles of inaccessibility from the Amazon wow. jungle wow. to Antarctica. Wow. I mean, it's it's so it's so fun, you know. And when they go to the jungle and they meet Ponce de Leon at the Fountain of Youth, you know, <laughs> who is stuck there because of you know that's that's what happened to him. Uh, we never did find his body, so he is still in the rainforest and still young and still oh young. Absolutely. So it it's just. It's so fun. You you learn something, but it's fun and it's funny, and the characters are fantastic, and you have six people who play thirty five different roles. Well, you'll definitely have to come back. You know, uh, definitely. Cynthia seems a little shy, but you know she can really activate. <laughs> you know, actors and and writers and the whole staff of the theater at, at Unicorn, um, and and I want to say congratulations again to you for your retirement, and but. Um, you know, I, I love I love that on stage we see something that we haven't seen before, or we see a twist, like in uh, <laughs> McBitches. And I, you know, I think McDonald's should change their name to McBitches. But anyway, that, <laughs> that could be fun because it's it's uh, that contemporary adaption of William Shakespeare's uh, classic uh, classic tragedy Macbeth, and it just it sounds like so much fun. And if you're familiar with you know Shakespeare, it's so sort of sort of uh, hard to read, hard to digest. But this is a whole new twist, a feminine twist. Right? It is, and it's you know it's a modern play. It's it's it has actually has very little Shakespeare text in it. But yeah. the moment yeah. the moment that we hear it, it's an interesting much needed bit in the yeah. play and it's, it's, yeah. it feeds a very particular purpose and you know it's it's interesting to watch the audience laugh and have all these experiences i mean there there are moments of <gasps> that happen in this play which yeah. is pretty cool surprises yeah we love Surprise. plays with surprises yeah. you know, i didn't see that coming and, and that's yeah. what a great thing yeah, and group for laughter real. they're the best yeah. you know when you get a whole audience of people to laugh at the same time there's you know it's a very gratifying feeling one of my favorite things about unicorn is that they have the talk back and i love the intimacy of you know, talking to the actors who just performed this piece and kind of picking their brains and, and you know, the, the writers and all that. Uh, and I think that's really uh, just a perfect addition to the productions. Um, so this runs, McBitches runs through November 5th, which is Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Unicorn Theater, 3828 Main Street, org for more information. What other social media platforms can we find? You all add. Um, well, you know, there's uh, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Twitter. I mean, w- yeah. unicorns on on everything. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. but unicorn yeah. is. Yeah. So yeah. you can you can find it on any social media platform. Is there anything that we've left out that you want to mention at this time? And and I de- definitely want to have you back maybe in January for this. Oh new yeah, production. we'll have to do that, Maria. Yeah. But yeah. you know, when you were bringing up the talkbacks, we've had yeah. some great talkbacks oh, no with kidding. this show, yeah. and it's fun because I've I've been curious and I've asked the audience so how many of you know Shakespeare and this was fun because you picked up some of some of the Macbeth references and how many of you really don't remember Macbeth at all and (laughs) did it matter and of course that's it it was it was great because of course it was oh yeah I don't I know there was blood in Macbeth or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. but they um it didn't matter 
Yeah. You know, there yeah. are references and subtle references, and, and then you think back on it. So you learn a little something about, you know, what's going on today on college campuses <laughs> for women yeah. on undergrads, yeah. and, and yeah. you learn a little something about Shakespeare. Um, yeah. So it was really cool. And there's, you know, a few theater geeks that come and go, oh, man, I love the raven in that one scene. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it really hits on many levels. It's for everyone. Good. It's for everybody. You'll get it. You'll get it. Don't don't be deterred by thinking I don't know Shakespeare, so I can't come see it. Of course you can. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Unicorntheater.org for more information, not only about McBitches, but upcoming events, uh, performances. You know, look, take a look at the 2024 season. uh, What's coming up? I want to thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. We love love when you're here. God, I feel so jazzed. I feel like I've I've just had lots of. (laughs) Coffee. <laughs> Good energy in the room. Love you guys. We're going to be right back with Art Speak Radio after this. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. A flamboyant lawyer attempts to dig up some justice in The Burial, an Amazon Prime drama inspired by a true story. The Burial is a courtroom drama that takes place in the South in Biloxi, Mississippi, 1995. Tommy Lee Jones is a Biloxi funeral home director dealing with a lot of money troubles. In trying to get free from his debt, he makes a deal with a Canadian funeral home conglomerate that has created an empire of funeral homes with questionable practices. When Jones realizes he's in a bigger mess with this Canadian group, he turns to a flashy lawyer played by Jamie Foxx. Their relationship and their great dialogue is fun to watch. They both talk in dialect they're comfortable with, and it adds authenticity to the story that really happened. Foxx gives a magnetic performance as Willie E. Gary, a personal injury lawyer who took on this big corporation in a contract law case in spite of having no experience in the field. Fox is compelling, but Jones is equally good in a believably understated performance. It's a good story, and photos of the real people Fox and Jones play are shown at the end. The burial is a real surprise. It's a crowd-pleasing David versus Goliath social drama that uh, probably should have been given a theatrical run before it appeared on Amazon Prime. This is fun to watch, but it's also engaging. Two Oscar-winning actors, perfectly cast in a film with an effective underdog story that will appeal to a wide audience? (laughs) The Burial is a winner. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. Dang, you caught me taking photographs. Hey, this is Maria Vasquez-Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, Art Speak Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. You know, up next we have Megan Ganey. Um, she's curated a, a new oh, a- exhibition at the Plug Gallery that's located in the Agnes Arts Building. We're going to talk about that. It's located at 1328 Agnes Avenue. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, Megan. Yeah, so I'm here. Thanks. now the the opening reception was um, last month, but you have a closing reception that that we can talk about. And actually, we want to talk about the exhibition that explores themes, uh, you know, such as identity and our relationship with our physical bodies, all within the context of the internet's influence on self portraiture. Right? Yes. Uh, the show is called "Don't Call It a Selfie." 
And uh, the artists involved are Christina Marie Santner, Katie Nugent, Baird Emke, Anthony Marcos Rea, Victoria Hernandez Velasquez, and myself. Um, we all submitted self-portraiture, uh, some self-portraiture, uh, in response to this idea of um, does selfie culture influence how photographers approach self-portraiture and is there a line between selfies and self-portraiture? So it was interesting to see uh, what, the, what the photographers brought to that. I love that. And I understand by selecting self-portraits that they delve into the theme of identity and ensuring they adhere to a uniform 9 to 16 aspect ratio? Correct. So um, it was important for me to have all of the images be the same size, and they're they're in the aspect ratio of a phone screen. So a portrait phone screen is something we're very used to seeing, something we've gotten extremely comfortable with, and um, kind of our visual language, our visual culture has kind of conformed to singular uh, <laughs> singular aspect yeah. ratios depending yeah. on whatever platform you're on and showing your work. So um, the pieces are actually about 50 inches by 80 inches, so they're very large. Uh, they take up a lot of space in the gallery, and I really wanted them to be unavoidable, uh, kind of in response to if you're scrolling through Instagram or something, you just muscle memory kind of just keeps you going. But in the gallery, you know, you're confronted with these images. They're unavoidable. You can't scroll past them. And so you have to actually sit, and what, what happens when scale and intention and time are are taken into account um, and we get out of that muscle memory of just scrolling past um, so I, I it's very impactful walking into the gallery right now <laughs> you know it sounds really intriguing and you know I I love the idea because um, if you've never taken a selfie I'm sure you have you're aware of them uh, I think they're so accessible to so many people in one form or another that um, having this show this work this expo uh, exhibition that explores these themes are really really in interesting and exciting and and viable in, in people's lives right I think so and I, I think also um, you know, there's there's some sort of idea around vanity or yeah. Oh, yeah. or selfishness yeah. or something of sharing these images. But um, something that I kind of set up in the thesis of this show to present to the artists is a is a <clears throat> quote from Susan Sontag's on photography from yes. 1977, and she said that um, even when photographers are most concerned with mirroring reality, they are still haunted by tacit imperatives of taste and conscience. To photograph is to appropriate the appropriate the thing photographed. It means putting oneself into a certain relation to the world that feels like knowledge and therefore like power. So I wanted yeah, to yeah. explore how self-portraiture can feel like power. How does occupying the role of subject and composer, you know, allow you to uh, look at yourself and present yourself in a way that feels like power? And a lot mm, of the, mm. the photographers um, really dove into these ideas of identity, uh, vulnerability, kind of, uh, we had conversations in the gallery and, you know, some, some people were surprised at where the project took them. They weren't uh, necessarily going to be so vulnerable, um, but it was almost like they did feel that, that power in presentation um, and, and presenting your, you know, it's a self-actualization and that's very powerful. Mm, 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 that's beautiful. 
Plug is located in the Agnes Arts Building, 1328 Agnes Avenue. Plug.gallery is the website, and it's open through November 12th with a closing reception, November 11th, 5 to 8. Um, and then your hours that are open, Sundays 12 3, or by appointment. Would you share with us your social media platforms so that people can find out more information? Because this is really intriguing. And, and like I said, I think um, sometimes art maybe isn't always accessible to the viewer. And with this, I think there's sort of uh, some point of recognition there, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree. Thank you for saying that. Um, so you can find Plug on uh, Instagram at plug.gallery. Uh, you can also find us online, plug.gallery. Um, and the closing reception for this show is actually going to coincide with Agnes Arts Open Studios oh, and perfect. a, um, a pop-up show from Habitat Contemporary. So it's going to be a very um, active night, lots, lots, to, lots to see, lots of artists to speak to and engage with. Um, so it should, be, it should be a good vibe. So do people need to just uh, pop in or do they need to kind of reserve a, a space? Right. Um, so uh, we just do it open house style okay. from uh, five to eight. That's when the gallery will be open. Um, and yeah, we'll have some of the artists there. Uh, other plug members will be there. Uh, so you can learn more about the organization, talk to the artists and, and see this see this really powerful show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us today. And you'll be back. You will be back. I will be back. Thank Very you, Maria. Good. You bet. We're going to be right back with Art Speak Radio after this. Amazon is a serial labor law violator. In fact, there's a veritable river of decisions holding the company guilty of violating its workers' rights. But last we checked, Amazon's getting away with it. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll look at the links to which Amazon will go to keep the union out. Then, the end of the UAW strikes is in sight. President Sean Fain this week announced a settlement with the last of the big three, GM. We'll talk to rank and filers from Ford and GM about it. Thursday at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m. Art Speak Radio, I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd, 98.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Up next, we have Janan Eldridge, who is the Director of Production at KC Rep. We're going to talk about what the Constitution means to me. And it's uh, simply a 15-year-old uh, is earning her college tuition by winning constitutional date uh, debate competitions across the United States. Now, in this hilarious, hopeful, and achingly human new play, she resurrects her teenage self to trace the profound relationship between four generations of women and the founding document that shaped their lives. Welcome, Janine. Thank you for having me. Oh, wow. Awesome. This just sounds so awesome. It's really timely, isn't it? This it, It's yeah. very timely because the Constitution uh, gives the audience many points to connect with yeah. the main character of Heidi as well as with each other in terms of viewpoints. And I love that the New York Times hailed what the Constitution means to me as, you know, not just the best play to open on Broadway so far this season, but also the most important. It has people talking, and I think that's sort of the, the, the goal, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It takes what could be divisive topics and really allows connection as I mentioned, both between the audience and yeah. the characters, as well as with each other, which is 
increasingly important as we come out of the pandemic as well. Yeah. So, you know, you unleash your mind and ignite powerful conversations on uh, democracy, equality, and justice with what the Constitution means to me. It's a thought-provoking exploration of our constitutional rights. Now, I do want to mention that uh, Saturday, November 4th, the 2 p.m. performance of this production will have a ACL interpretation from Juliana Ladd, Ladd and Lisa Workin. Um, but this runs through November 12th, currently now through November 12th, and that's at the Copacan stage, right? Correct, and we have also added two post-show discussions uh, this Thursday you the 2nd and next that. Thursday the 9th. You know, I, I, I love to see plays, but I also, as I mentioned earlier, that I love to pick the brain of the actors and the production and, and all of that because not only are they producing this wonderful work that, that is beautiful to our eyes and our ears, but it's also interesting to have that uh, that conversation with them and uh, understand their feelings and their response to to the work that they've just performed. Well, and it's so nice to hear that because the process is what interests many of us who come to right, work in this field. Right, so. right, right. Um, again, that is what the Constitution means to me uh, at the Copacan stage at the Power and Light District 1 H&R Block away, and you can find that at kcrep.org. You know, just I, this is just a wonderful uh, venue for that too, because again, it it has that intimate quality about it. The acoustics are beautiful for that talkback. Um, what about the set designs? Are they? Are, is it pretty much contained to to just a few scenes, or is it? We do out. have a simple, straightforward set, but okay. it allows us to tell the story well. Yeah. And our entire design team was female, so that was also a, a nice aspect to That's this show. That's a perk. Yeah, because I know I, I've been there when it's like you've transformed the space into a, a swimming pool or, you know, mm-hmm. a flood or something that, of that nature. And I'm like, man, that, you know, that takes a lot of ingenuity uh, to, to really work through those and, and problem solve, which people don't often see art as... You know. It does, absolutely. But this story travels through four generations mm, of women. Mm. And so to serve the story in the best possible way, this set remained simple. Mm-hmm. And so you are the director of production. And uh, again, it goes through November 12th. Just want to pick your brain. What What is in the forecast for you after this run is, is finished? Do you go into the next we are already Season. in rehearsal for everyone's wow. annual favorite Christmas carol. Yeah. And then yeah. looking after the new year, we are doing a co-production with Milwaukee Rep of Nina Simone for Women. Oh, my gosh. And we are in design development stage for that and talking about the aesthetics and the looks and the budget for all things related to Nina Simone wow. right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. You know, and you can find, as I mentioned, more information at kcrep.org. Um Again, I, I love the Spencer Theater. I love the Copacan stage because, again, um, I I want to be one with the actors. I want them, I, I want to be on the stage with them in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so this gives me that. And especially with this topic, what the Constitution means to me, it's, it's so relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. And this production in particular, you are invited to interact with the actors as well as other audience members. So this is absolutely the place to be if you want to be on stage and be one with the actors. That's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Janine Eldridge, uh, Director of Production KC Rep. What the Constitution Means to Me. This runs through November 12th.
So you've got uh, just a, a little bit longer, maybe, what, a week or so? I prefer, I, yeah, this is the 1st of November, kcrep.org for more information. Uh, come back soon and, and share with us what's happening in 2024 because we're big fans Will of KC do. Rep. Thank you. You bet. We're going to be back with Art Speak Radio after this. Join KKFI on November 2nd at the Drexel Hall at the Kansas City Irish Center for Music Unites, featuring Calvin Arsenia and Friendly Thieves. Music Unites, a benefit for KKFI, brings together a community for a special night of music. Doors open at 7.30. The concert starts at 8. Go to kkfi.org to purchase tickets and learn more. Look, it's me, Maria Vasquez Floyd on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, Art Speak Radio. And we have yet one more, two more guests on, you know, I just can't say no to people who have time-sensitive productions. And they also have some really important announcements and, and exhibitions and all that. Um, so I know we were really crowded today and didn't have much time to spend with each guest. And I'll get out of here so that we can talk. But um, I just wanted to bring them to your attention and have you really kind of check out what they're doing because it's really just a terrific time in Kansas City with so much creativity. Up next, we have Linda Yerkowitz and Deborah Baxter. We're going to talk about 8461, women's work that's at the UMKC Gallery of Art right now, and that's at the Fine Art Building 203 at 5015 Holmes. Um, Yeah, so hello, Linda. Oh. Hello. <laughs> okay, and Deborah. Hi. <laughs> oh, now you're not that shy. But you know what? Uh, this work is really important, and and the title comes from eighty four sixty one, which is the wage statistics, right, from the Institute for Women's Policy Research, where. Um, in twenty twenty two, white women working full time earned eighty four cents, and Hispanic women earned sixty one cents for every dollar earned by white men. And so the UMKC Gallery of Art is pleased to present 8461 Women's Work, curated by UMKC graduate student uh, Deborah Baxter, right? Yeah, it was also co-curated by another student, um, Sylvia Ariana Fernandez, um, but yeah. she's busy working today, so yeah. um, I'll speak yeah. for both of us. Yeah, just get real close to the microphone. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, you know, what, this is really a loaded exhibition because, you know, I, I, I wonder how many people are, are aware of that statistic. I know women certainly are, right? Sure, yeah. I think people think of the wage people gap have, as kind of yeah. um, you know, a vestige of second wave feminism yeah. where they still have the 70 cents on the dollar um, percentage in their heads. And you know, we've, we've gained 14 cents um, for white women, but that's only moved two cents since 2002 in the last 20 oh, years. Lord, so Lord. the progress has slowed. Um, and I, I think you know, with the current moment being so uh, focused on economic equality as well as women's issues, I, I think it's a good moment to talk about how because women make less money and because more women are in low-wage jobs, um, the uh, economic equality is a women's issue, and mm-hmm. women's issues should be focused on economic equality. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm just going to have you pull that microphone up to you, yeah, so you don't have to pull it up. Yeah, there, there you go, there you go. And, you know, um, there's really uh, this exhibition features artwork by 14 locally and nationally recognized artists, 
Autumn Brion, Stacy Bobo Ligon, Mona Cliff, Rachel Ann Connell, Manuela Vieira uh, Gallo, Jay Lynn Gomez, Michelle Hartney, Linda Yerkowitz, Holly Ballard Martz, Nancy Morrison, Michelle Pred, Valentina Trinidad Sonia, Robin Van Hooser, Vanessa Burrett, and Ellen Wetman. Um, you know, and, and with Linda, your work, Linda Yerkowitz, your work has always had sort of a content about it that uh, that looks at, examines women's issues in women's, uh, you know, space here, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, because last you had work at um, Habitat. Lady Volkus. Lady Volkus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? what is your, can you speak about your piece in this exhibition? Well, I was really pleased, first of all, to thank Deborah for contacting yeah. me when she began working on the show. I was really excited that she contacted me. Um, and um, because, yes, my work is so loaded with mm-hmm. women's issues. And, you know, I think my, my work is really more about presenting the issue. I mean, I certainly don't have any solutions, but I do think that women kind of, we as a group, frequently don't see sort of the the conundrum we're in mm-hmm. this conundrum that we are help, we're helpers we want to help other people in terms of what they need and and how they move through their life but i think sometimes that kind of backfires on us because then we kind of forget that we have to help ourselves too and mm-hmm. able to stay mm-hmm. sane and healthy and all those sorts of things um, so anyway, uh, the pieces that Deborah chose were my dolls, the responders, mm-hmm. which is based on these uh, Egyptian shabtis. And my thinking about that is that um, women already do a tremendous amount of work in their life. And this whole idea that if we lived in a, in a sort of society where we died and we had to do it all over again, I was thinking that was a bit unfair mm-hmm. and kind of unnecessary <laughs> as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece she chose was uh, Endure Hardship as Discipline, which is uh, five ironing board covers that mm-hmm. I embroidered yeah. and, uh, and free motion stitched. And those are basically about women from the 1950s, specifically my own mother, uh, which kind of relates back to what you were talking earlier about that uh, I think many, many women have so many, uh, you know, we have to grapple with what our relationships were like with, with women in our lives. Mm-hmm. It may not be just our mothers or our grandmothers, but, um, but they're usually present. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe there's some shifting, but I think it's, it's mm-hmm. always there. So, um, so anyway, I was really glad to be able to show this work again. You know, I love it. Um, Deborah, when you when you had this idea, I mean, has it been sort of formulating in your mind for some time, and it just you just decided, I, I, I this is the show that I want to present as as my graduate student work, and do you feel that that it can take on another life? Can you continue this work because it, it's so valuable and so important? Absolutely. I'd love mm. to continue this work. Mm. I think that's kind of at the core of my activism is um, how do we make things fair for women in material terms? How do we yeah. um, 
you know, if, if you can point to a number that says this is how much it's not fair, you know, yeah. then, then that can spark action really directly. Um, but also to Linda's work, I think I really wanted to include in the show not just the wage labor that women do, that the wage gap reflects, but mm. also the vast amount of unpaid domestic and care work that we do and have always done. Our mothers did it, you know, our grandmothers. And I really wanted to honor that as well in the show, even if it's not reflected numerically. You know, and, and I, I love that because I think oftentimes we just, maybe in our culture, we just sort of take it for granted that, you know, you know, the childcare is, is there and it's available, but who is actually the, the childcare, uh, you know, constant? Yeah, not to yeah. mention childcare and the availability of childcare is a major factor oh in the wage gap as uh, yeah. the real divergence in the wage gap for young women happens <clears throat> as soon as they have a child. That's when it really starts to split. The statistic that I ended up putting on the wall because mm -hmm. it really moved me was um, yeah. for every dollar fathers earn, mothers earn 62 cents, um, which as soon as yeah. you have to start caring for children or paying for childcare, you get priced or competed out of advancing in your career or, yeah. um, or yeah. even just earning the same. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, do you walk away from this, this exhibition asking yourself questions? What do you want the viewer to, to walk away with? Um, questions, uh, solutions, uh, is it a call to action? What, what do you... I think above all, it's a call to action yeah. and awareness. And I think I left the solutions kind of open-ended. Yeah. I'd like yeah. them to be thinking, okay, how can I contribute to solving this? You know, and, and uh, I do want to bring in, uh, because we've had a panel of, of women today in studio, and uh, with the exception of Alexander on the telephone, but because we have um, our guests uh, here in studio, again, uh, Debbie Baxter, Linda Yerkowitz, we have, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Megan Ganey and oh gosh, where are all my notes? And I'm sorry, Janine Eldridge. Yes, Janine Eldridge. Uh, I want to bring them in in the conversation and and help have us help us understand maybe your your perspective in terms of what Deborah has brought to light here at UMKC. Is there something that that you could add to that conversation where you've had a personal experience or perhaps uh, an observation? And you can pull that microphone towards you too. Um. Um, sure, yeah, thanks for the question. Sure. Um, I think this kind of goes into the show that's up at Plug right now. Um, because the some of the pieces are directly in response to gender and um, gender restrictions, I'll say, um, limitations, um, you know, assumptions. I think um, that art has a very powerful way of bringing those issues to light in a in a thoughtful manner, in maybe a like you said, a very accessible manner. So um, I just think that it's it's so powerful to have these works in the galleries, but also to acknowledge that the people doing <laughs> the work here as well are women, and the yeah. amount of labor it takes to produce a show, to produce work on top of a full-time job, on top of mm. childcare, mm -hmm. on top of you know caring for other people in your family. And so yeah. I just think it's, it's um, you know, I can't wait to go out and see it. I'm I'm very uh, very intrigued and very inspired by by what you guys have been talking about. And I'll add that uh, I'm very excited to hear about the show. I didn't know about it beforehand, 
Um, and personally, I stepped out of theater mm. over 10 years ago because I hit a glass ceiling and because there was no more opportunity for me. And coming back to KC Rep, I learned that there had been adv- advancements in our industry. Um, the leadership at KC Rep, the work that they do on their idea principles, which is inclusivity, diversity, mm. equity, and anti-racism. Um, all of those things did not exist at the point that I stepped out. Mm, mm. There's still much work to be done, as your sure. show indicates, <clears throat> and as we learn in our work um, at KC Rep. But the other thing that Megan mentioned that spurred a thought for me is that our design team, although all female, are also a group of women who are designers and, or director and. And what that brought was a an openness of thought. And so rather than feeling everyone was constricted and had to move on to other things, we were able to explore possibilities. And these folks were also dealing with being parents or caring mm-hmm. for partners or publishing books or teaching classes. And um, so I think there is real opportunity here to, to be additive rather than an either or situation. I like that, yeah. You know, I, I think as you witnessed here, Deborah uh, and uh, uh, Linda, that this has really uh, provoked some, stimulated some discussion, some ideas, some thoughts, some response. And that's well worth, uh, I think, examining in, in this exhibition, uh, 8461 Women's Work, uh, now through December 15th. And that's at the UMKC Gallery of Art, Fine Art Building, 203 50, 15 homes. And uh, I would uh, suggest taking a look at the website of UMKC, or does the gallery have its own? But but take a look and see what the hours are, because you want to make sure that you can get there uh, before yeah. this. So our hours are, um, it's the UMKC website, but it's our own page. It's, inf- uh, it's uh, info.umkc.edu slash gallery. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I, I hope I... I hope this does generate uh, some ideas and, again, some thoughts. And I'd love to see this continue on. This is such important work. Um, you know, it's just we, we all need to be aware of, of this, um, this what's happening, you know. Uh, social media platforms for either of you and uh, what... Yeah, so the gallery's Instagram page is mm-hmm. UMKCMAD, uh, at UMKCMAD for Media Art and Design. Um, my Instagram page is at Linda Yurkovich, and I can also be found on Google under Linda Yurkovich Fiber Art. Very good. You know, I want to say thank you so much to, to each of you today because this has just really been a powerful hour of of discussion and empowerment and you know really begin to examine who we are and and where we are in this space you know here um, so I, I want to thank each of you for for joining me today um, the door is open well it's closed right now but the door really is open so please contact me anytime upcoming events or uh, updates on anything uh, contact me maria tortilla 86 at gmail.com thanks so much Thank you, Maria. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. You bet. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, um, yeah, this is a very special day. But uh, before I get to that, I'm going to say that, um, yeah, next week, oof, we are into, uh, I 
the 8th of November, we have Teresa Dirks, Laura Nugent, Sue Moreno. I think we might have Clint Metcalf. I'm not sure. Uh, but we're going to have a roundtable discussion about art and creativity how to stay relevant because, yeah, you gotta when you're an artist. Uh, so that will be next Wednesday, 11 8. Uh, many thanks to Cynthia Levin, Sydney Garrett, Jenny Mulberg, Alexander Weinstein, Janine Eldridge, Megan Ganey, uh, Deborah Baxter, Linda Yerkowitz. Uh, yeah, thanks so much. And I do want to share with you, um, as I said earlier today, today is Dia los Muertos, Day of the Dead. Today, November 1st, is All Saints Day. So this is where we honor, Day of the Dead is where we honor our family, friends, even our pets, because they're very much like our family. We honor them uh, by creating altars for them in the Mexican culture. And candles, incense, flowers, photographs are all placed on the altar in their honor. And it's not a morbid or a sad sort of situation. We're just like, oh my gosh, you know, what this this life meant to all of us. And that is November 1st. November 2nd is All Souls Day, my birthday. Uh, <laughs> and that is to honor those who have died in the war or died tragically, um, that sort of thing. Uh, and again, it still is Day of the Dead. Um, I want to leave you with this. In Mexican tradition, death occurs three times. First, a physical death when our hearts stop beating and the space we occupy loses meaning. Second, a symbolic death when our bodies are lowered into the ground and returned to the earth. Third, a final death we cease to exist in the memories of the living. The Day of the Dead honors those that have passed, keeping memories and spirits alive. We love you, Nick, Ray, Grace. Thank you so much for listening.